For CityCast Houston producer Dina Kesba, Thanksgiving was a super spreader event. Dina's whole family caught COVID at her sister's house. Dina is still coughing, and she is full of questions. Today, we are joined by one of the best people in the world to answer them. Dr. Ben Newman is chief virologist of the Global Health Research Complex at Texas A&M, and he has been studying coronaviruses for decades, long before most of us had even heard of them. He's also a really fun explainer of science. It's Friday, December 10th, 2021. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Dina, Dr. Ben. Let's go, Dina. What are you wondering? How can I help? (laughs) Yes, Dr. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. I've got plenty of questions. You know, first off, like my family had Thanksgiving dinner together, just like everyone else. And those of us that did fly in from Houston to Charlottesville, where my sister lives, we were all vaccinated. Some even had their booster shots. So naturally, we let our guard down. We didn't even have masks on. How soon after dinner did you start feeling sick? So that's that's the thing. It wasn't me that got sick first. It was my dad. And he started to feel sick in the middle of the day Friday. And so that's when my stepmom, who also came in from Houston, started to feel sick as well. We all assumed that it was just maybe the cold or a flu because it was cold out and they were coming from Houston and it was warm. So the change of weather maybe messed with it. But um, could it have been Omicron? We didn't lose our sense of smell or taste. What, What else could it have been? Yeah, wow. Great question. And uh, the very unsatisfying answer is you'll probably never know. (laughs) Okay, not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) Um, I want answers. (laughs) So there are multiple firewalls, like, uh, of who is allowed to know what in between your sample and anybody who may someday sequence that sample. Uh, so we se- we sequence hundreds of them here, and we never know anything about the people that they actually came from. So, yeah, and only a very small percentage. So let me just back up. The test that Dina took goes out and it's sampled. Maybe it gets drawn as the lottery ticket, right. maybe not to be sampled. But even right. if it comes up Omicron, you'll never, you'll know. never know. But there'll be stories about a virus which happened to come from you. <laughs> so yeah, uh, vicariously famous, uh, secondhand <laughs> oh, yeah. famous. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> but there's also no way to tell from symptoms alone whether or not it was Omicron. So in terms of the timing, the first Omicron case that we know at the moment was sampled on November 8th. Uh, And then there were a couple more on the 9th, and these were all in South Africa at first. And then the Botswana station started picking it up, I believe, on the 9th or the 10th, something like that. And we don't know that it started there, but that's the first place where there was a sentinel sequencing program sort of thing, just like watching. And so that was our first... Yeah, our first contact, if you like, uh, almost as if this is an alien. And it's it's definitely a weird version, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what makes this one weird? So what makes it strange is, first of all, it was unexpected. Uh, what we normally see with variants is you've got pretty good tracking. So you'll have a lot of the intermediate steps. It's um, a pretty complete pattern of evolution. And you can see the virus moving one or two changes at a time. And probably you're only catching every 10th or 15th actual step in the evolutionary process. But the virus doesn't change that fast. So, so like changes, changes in, in the, the RNA, DNA. Yeah, of the virus. Yep. Viruses 
they change all the time, right? Yeah, but this thing, the the last common ancestor is one that was actually in Belgium. It was part of a European outbreak. I think it was in March of 2020. Oh, and then this whole lineage appears to go silent. So we think, okay, this is another variant that's gone extinct and whatever. All hail Delta, the current reigning king forever and ever. <laughs> but then this thing pops up. Um, and so everybody is wondering where did it come from? How did it get here? Is it a recombinant? All these things, uh, yeah, just go through your mind at the very beginning. Um, so we've got a very lonely little cluster of viruses at the end of a very long, very naked branch of the family tree. And that's kind of what Omicron is. But if you look at the mutations, they're not just anywhere. There is a cluster of them, and there are actually 10 in a thing called the receptor binding domain, which is literally the point of first contact between the virus and a person. So that's the tip of the coronavirus spike? Yeah, it's it's kind of like the thumb of the spike. Uh, the spike, there's three spike proteins together and they each take their turns. They're two thumbs down and one thumb up at a time. And this one is on the bit that's, uh, when the thumb is up, it's like the pad of the thumb, the bit that's actually going to push the button on the outside of your cell to basically like ring the doorbell and let this virus in. So how does it get to be so different? I mean, I, I usually think that any little change is going to make a virus stop functioning and it'll go away. So right. I have a whole bunch of changes. Yeah, Shouldn't yeah. I kill it? Yeah, uh, and that you're exactly right. Uh, almost every change is going to be either lethal or so harmful to the virus that it just dies. But that's fine because viruses don't make a few changes. They make literally all the changes. They'll, they'll make every single possible mutation in the course of an afternoon inside of every single oh infected person. So oh, Dina. They, they, they try everything. And yeah, you, you get the whole kitchen sink thrown at you, which is why you, you never catch one strain. You kind of catch all of them. Wait, what? <laughs> at the same time. So are you telling That's, me I have yeah. like Delta, I have Omicron, I have everything? Like, is that what you're saying? <laughs> the mutations which differentiate these things, yeah, will have popped up during your infection. Oh and your body will have had to come God. up with some kind of solution. Yeah. Now, they may be in the wrong context. You may get a mutation that would be great on a Delta backbone and on whatever you got is just garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. So there's like no real way of knowing if it's just Omicron. It's going to be a mixed bag and that's it? Yeah, pretty much. As far as your immune system con is concerned, yeah, it's like it has to fight against everything at the same time. So there will be versions of the virus that have every oh mutation God. that we've seen in Omicron because actually every mutation that Omicron has, a lot of people call them unique because they haven't popped up in the Greek letter variants, but these are all things that we've seen before, you know, one time or another. Two of them are ones that we even reported from the Texas A&M campus uh, from our local population. Oh, wait, the Aggie variant. Yeah, Brazos Valley 1 and 2, the defining mutations of those are actually part of what makes Omicron so weird. And these are things that were not very <laughs> successful on their own. But together in Omicron, they seem to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So when we talk about a variant, that's like yeah. the center of this cloud of right. similar right. viruses? Exactly. That's, yes. Okay. That's how a virologist thinks of it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Dina, what else do you want to know? Oh, oh, my God. So, okay, one of the things that's been on my brain, like, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> there, there's the cough. It just yeah. comes up randomly, <laughs> and it feels like my chest is just so tight when it happens. 
But the, the main thing that I'm thinking of is like disinfection, right? Because now mm -hmm. I really want to just go in and bleach every single thing that I touched. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I have this toothbrush that's, you know, the Oral-B electric ah. one. And so the top oh, of the toothbrush expensive. is... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, should I be like throwing out that top? Because I used it when I had COVID and I want to start like that whole disinfecting process. How, how do you even kill a virus? How do you kill this virus? Oh, this virus dies at the drop of a hat. A uh, little bit of soap okay. will knock it out completely. Um, you can heat it to, uh, let's see, about halfway to boiling. And if you leave it there for 15 minutes or more, uh, it's dead. Uh, so oh. 50 degrees Celsius. Um, that's one of the things we do routinely to inactivate samples before we read them out and sequence them. So it's not that bad. So how would yeah. Dina heat something to 50 yeah. degrees Celsius? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You, you gotta you gotta math it out and figure out what that is in uh, Fahrenheit, but uh, probably neighborhood of uh, I don't know uh, one thirty five, one hundred fifty, somewhere in there. Yeah. Oh, so the the whole bleach thing is a little bit excessive. Is that what you're saying to me? Probably. <laughs> I mean, bleach kills everything dead. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, if it gives you peace of mind, that's fine. But you probably don't necessarily need it. Mm -hmm. And we still don't know if anybody who's been actually infected from a surface. And your body just fought off literally this cloud of viruses. Hmm. And so right now you are absolutely on point, or rather your immune <laughs> system is, in terms of dealing with this particular one. Hmm. So if somebody else is using your toothbrush, one, that's a little weird, but uh, two, they may be at risk. Uh, um, other than that, yeah, you're probably fine, but people like to change it. I, I think it's as much uh, turning over a new leaf as anything else. You just say, you know, bye-bye COVID. Wash that COVID out of my hair. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm my my main thing is like, okay, I have it. I don't want to get it again. And so, right. is that even a thing? Can people get COVID again? Yes, but not right away. Um, there are some people that get it, think they're over it, and aren't quite over it, and then it relapses. And there are cases where people have had it for you know more than 150 days of just wow. yeah, COVID, COVID, COVID. Oh my God. Um, often without a lot of symptoms, and usually these are people that know they're really immunocompromised, you know, <laughs> even before this starts. And, and the well, I would say the neatest thing, but you might say weirdest thing, um, is that <laughs> in a single person with long-term COVID, there was actually a paper all the way back. I think it was April 2020. And it showed that the virus can undergo enormous amounts of evolution inside that person. Or rather, the cloud can just move incredible distances, actually far more than it can move out in the real world as it's just jumping, you know, glibly from the surface of one lung to another. Yeah, it doesn't get a lot of time to change and reflect and think. But uh, yeah, in one person, it really can do all that. I mean, yeah. Another thing that just kind of popped into my brain is at what point am I no longer contagious to someone else? Like how, <laughs> like, can I go out? Should I be quarantining? How long does a person quarantine for before they're right. no longer like part of the problem? <laughs> so the correct answer uh, would be when uh, the virus is no longer detectable in your saliva and in your snot and in your poo. <laughs> And two out of those three tests will probably not ever happen. You'll, you'll either be in a saliva place or a nose place. Yeah. Um, but the virus can linger in some parts of the body. And that's the best 
way that we know to make sure that a person is absolutely over it uh, is, is to make sure that everything is clean. But really, you'd have to dissolve a person in a vat of, well, you wouldn't want to do it in acid. That would break down the RNA. But uh, yeah, dissolve them and sort through their uh, RNA, you know, to be really, really sure. <laughs> but I don't, right, but nobody needs to be that sure. That That's the thing. Wait, dissolve a human? <laughs> like you would dissolve a person? <laughs> No, no, no. He's, he's saying theoretically, Tina. That is the only okay. way for complete certainty. And so we, we will opt for something less than complete certainty. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be dissolved. I would recommend so. opting for less than complete certainty. Uh, so everybody wants like an amount of time, but it's not time. It's like how, when is the virus gone? And there are tests that can be done, but uh, yeah. Other than that, there's just vague guidance that sometimes works and sometimes leads to a pandemic that goes on for two plus years. Yeah. (laughs) All right. You knew we were going to ask about Omicron. So here goes. How much do we really know about it? How worried should we be about that variant? We finally got the first actual paper about Omicron. So there were a lot of speculation papers. Yeah, it was um, released Mm -hmm. to MedArchive. And this is coming out of South Africa. And so they've had the longest with the virus. Um, The top of figure one shows that Omicron actually uses the same receptor to get into our cells as the regular version of the virus, a thing called ACE2. And that is good. So If the virus was using a different receptor, it would infect different tissues. It would infect different cells in those tissues. You may get really different disease. It would just be like starting over in terms of what we know. And there are enough changes to just the part where the virus makes contact with the cell, uh, 10 changes in that little domain, that it was possible that it didn't (laughs) work. But it does. So so that's good. Yeah. All right. So that's the top of that figure. This is a great word picture. (laughs) The bottom of that figure um, actually compares how effective uh, uh, is the Pfizer uh, vaccinated serum is at knocking this virus out. And it finds that it's still effective, but uh, the effectiveness is reduced by about 40-fold. Wait, wait, wait. You said 40-fold? We're not talking 40% less effective, but 40 times less effective? Yeah, 40 times worse. 40 times harder to knock out. But I was expecting worse. It looked like there were enough changes to this little tiny site uh, where the virus makes contact with the cell. That is the one spot that's like the bullseye. That's where you want to land an antibody or something like that. And if you get one there, then that particular spike will not start an infection today. And if you hit enough spikes on one virus particle, that whole virus particle will be neutralized. It cannot infect. And so I was worried that we were trying to shoot at a target that had no bullseye, essentially, that it had changed so much. But it turns out that, yeah, with quantity of antibodies, we can actually get enough binding to that spot that we can still neutralize it. So do you have any basic advice, Dr. Ben, for just normal human beings who are worrying about Omicron? Yeah, it looks more like a regular variant than we had thought at first, but it looks as though it's going to be resistant. So uh, think tortoise rather than hare. Delta is still the fastest thing out there fastest growing, best spreading, and it may well be that Delta actually drives Omicron to extinction. Uh, Omicron is going to be one that could potentially infect people when it's been a while since their last vaccine, or if it's been a while since they actually caught and got over COVID. But I 
don't see any mutations in there that would necessarily make it a lot better. And it's a competitive world out there, virus against virus. And you got to be faster than Delta oh to have any chance in this world. Okay, so this, this might be a dumb question. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but like, if Delta outcompetes Omicron, and I feel like I'm talking about this like battle between two aliens. <laughs> but so if it does, does that mean there will be a third one coming up? Now you've got 160 plus versions of Delta that are out there. And so we're still dealing with these. And so far, they all appear to be roughly evenly poised. None of them is really gaining a lot of ground on the others. Uh, sometimes if you look at the graphic where they keep track of these things, it'll look like one's getting bigger. But that usually just means that they brought in a whole bunch of new sequences from one part of the world. Generally, in each part of the world, a different Delta subvariant is doing better than the others. And they're all pretty flat. So... Yeah, response against one is probably a response against all, and wow. none of the spikes are all that different uh, in any of the Delta variants. And they all are pretty easy to knock out with the vaccine, so we definitely have an out. Oh, well, well that's really good to hear. That is great! All right. Have you seen any interesting new research lately? Of course. What do you yeah. <laughs> I know. This is why I always ask you. What do you got? <laughs> All right. Um, so a neat preprint that I don't think is fully published yet is one from a group over in China. And they've found some of the uh, sort of most distant uh, relatives of coronaviruses. And in this one, they just went in blindly to some of these animal, live animal wet markets that they call them in China, where you can get all kinds of what we would consider zoo animals. But uh, yeah, right there and <laughs> uh, farm to table direct. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> they looked inside uh -huh. some of these things and they just blindly recorded all the viruses that they found in there. And oh my goodness, yeah. There are relatives of most of the major groups of viruses that infect people. Uh, and they're in these food mammals that people would bring into their oh. kitchens, essentially. Most of the things they're finding are new, but they're not that far from stuff that can cause disease. God. Our immune system does a great job at just cleaning up this mess. But oh my goodness, is there a lot of stuff out there that could get you? <laughs> oh my god. So should we just eat carrots and lettuce? That's not bad. We don't know of any plant viruses so far that can jump to uh, humans. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Anytime. Yeah. Let's check in with producer Farrell Gibbs about what else is going on in Houston. Farrell, what's happening? Well, here's a cool sports story, if for no other reason. It shows how classy the Houston Rockets are, or were last night anyway. James Harden, previously for the Rockets, came back, I think this is his first time to return, with full capacity. He plays for the Brooklyn Nets now. Boo. Hiss. <laughs> That's what you would have thought would happen, but instead they played a really cool tribute video for him as he came out. And so it was really a nice, Aww. yeah, it was a nice moment. Then the, the Rockets went on to win, and they won their seventh straight game after losing 15 straight. And so it's a record. It's the first team in NBA history to win seven straight after losing 15 straight. So <laughs> a pretty eventful night. Somebody keeps track of those numbers. Wow. Okay. All right. That is it for CityCast Houston today. 
Next week, we are going to do a show about gifts that you can buy from Houston-owned businesses or that are made by Houston people. So please, if you know of something great, give us a call and leave a message on our voicemail. Tell us who you are, what you're recommending, and why it's so great. Our number is 713-489-6972, and we're going to put that in our show notes. Our producers are Dina Kesba and Farrell Gibbs, and we will be back on Monday. See you then. I love the idea that you're baking your toothbrush. Low heat. Don't melt it. <laughs>